And now let's shift to today's scripture reading as we continue in the series. Uh, it's from Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 30, uh, ESV. I'll read. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am, be, I am to be poured out as a drinking offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I may, I myself will come also. I have thought of it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God has had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, as a church community, thanks, Brother Mike. Uh, that's our new intern pastor, Pastor Mike. If you don't know him, please introduce yourself uh, with him. Thank you for a wonderful reading of scripture. Um, as a church community, we have been walking through the book of Philippians, which is a letter that Paul writes. Paul wrote uh, more than half of New Testament, so we know Paul's work. But this letter is special because Paul is writing to a community that he helped plant. Right? King's Cross will always have a huge place in my heart, not, not only because it's a wonderful community, but because you know, I was part of the beginning. I think for many of you guys, for some of you guys, like Pastor John, this has been, you've been part of this beginning. So Paul writes, yes, he's a trained scholar, he's an excellent writer, he's a brilliant theologian, as we know, through the books of Romans and others. But really, at heart, he's writing as a pastor to a church that he, he dearly loves, a church in Philippi. And that's the, the book that we're in today. And, and today we're going to be picking up from chapter 2. So if you missed it, please catch up. It's on podcasts. It's on our YouTube, YouTube channel. Uh, but today we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 16 to 30. And, and, and Paul, really, in this section of the letter... He wants to go beyond theology. He wants to go beyond theories. Instead, what he does is he makes his truth, that, that the gospel that he's been teaching from the beginning of chapter 1 and also chapter 2, he wants to make it very practical. This is a street-level Christianity. 
It's not just some systematic theology that Paul wants to teach. He's writing to a group of people that are struggling. There's a division. We talked about that last week. The division between the members of the church, which caused greater division. So Paul writes, knowing that there is trouble in the church, knowing that they're, they're under immense persecution from outside. And he's like, I care for you, so let me actually give you some practical advice. And we're getting to the most practical part of the letter, which is chapter 2, verse 16, to the end of the chapter. So in our passage, Paul lays out three practical habits. Everyone say habits. Not a very popular word. But it's really helpful, right? Having habits really helps. And, and just uh, about, about a couple months ago, we were in this series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in that, one of those sermons, we talked about the importance of having healthy habits. We talked about the importance of this gap that exists in all of us. Gap between who we think we are versus who we actually are, Right? Before I got married, I told everyone, I don't, I don't like sweets. I, I like meat. I like potatoes. I don't like sweets. And Lois goes, Hungman, you, you, you love sweets. Well, why do you think you're overweight? You love sweets, right? I, I didn't know that because I, I just thought I don't like sweets. But, you know, there's, there's gap in all of our lives, whether how we spend money, how we think about church, how we think about anything, right? There's, there are these gaps. And one of the most helpful ways we talked about this to close this gap because we need to close this gap. Is, is not simply thinking harder about who we want to become, right? Rather, it's about moving those thoughts into small actions every day, right? Small steps, and eventually, as you do those steps, as you do those things repeatedly, they become habits. And, and, and these habits that Paul is encouraging in our passage will help us become not only healthier as an individual, but really healthier as a community. Yeah, we're a young church. We're going into our fifth year this November. We're still baby. And there's a lot for us to be able to learn and grow, especially through this COVID. I think God has given us new opportunity to have healthy habits, not just as members of the church, but as a church itself, as a community. Uh, and last week I talked about we need more healthy and vibrant Christ-honoring churches in the city, right? We could have more of them, right? Over the last year and a half under COVID, our season under COVID, a huge number of people have left their churches. Stats are, are, are wild. I've talked to my friends in the city. Even our church, the face of our church is changing. A huge number of people are no longer going back to their community. I, I, you know, Korea will be out of social distancing measures probably in the next few months. Huge number of people won't be coming back to our church or other churches. And I think it's easy for, for myself as a pastor or my pastor friends to blame the people for not being committed enough. It's so tempting to say, well, I guess they weren't real Christians. I guess they didn't really love Jesus. I guess they just came to church because of other reasons. I think it's easy Yet perhaps we need to look at ourselves in the mirror as churches. We talked about this last week. We need to look at ourselves in the, in the mirror as churches, including ours. Because I don't think many people that have unplugged themselves from their local churches have left because they no longer love Jesus. No. I don't think they're coming, coming back to our church or other churches because they don't want to worship. I think they want to worship after a year and a half of worshiping on YouTube. YouTube is terrible. Worshiping on YouTube is really, really hard. Really, really difficult. So I, don't think, I don't think people are like, I don't want to worship Jesus anymore. No, I think they aren't coming back because why? 
being away from their local churches for a year and a half and being disconnected in, in, in many ways, they look back on how they've, they've done spiritually and it has not made much impact of not going back to church. It's like, well, I haven't gone to church for a year and a half. I was online, yet I, I still sort of love Jesus. I still sort of, you know, believe I'm a believer. And, I, and it, it actually feels fine. And that's the problem, right? As a church, we need to consider ourselves. Have we really done a good job of creating what is healthy? So all that is to say is God has given. I'm excited, right? COVID was hard. We're almost at the end, guys, right? Hopefully, hopefully. Um, God has given us a unique opportunity to slow down and become healthier. I think, can I be honest, first four years, I just felt like I was always catching my breath. Right, planting this church, right? People are visiting all the time, and I feel like I'm performing. Am I good enough? Do you like our church enough? Are our kids' program good enough? Is our parking large enough? Is our coffee good enough? I mean, all of these things. And I think I, you know, I confess to you, I think I majored in a lot of minor things. And I think COVID has given us opportunity to slow down and revisit. Hey, are we majoring in the right things as a church community? To become healthier. So three things. That was a long intro, but three things uh, that Paul advised us to become healthier as a church community. First, a healthy church holds fast to the word of life. I'll explain that. Second thing, a healthy church labors together for one another. And the third, healthy church honors one another. Honors one another. So first, healthy church holds fast to the word of life. Here, the word of life, whenever Paul says the word of life, can only mean one thing. Because of the context and because of the way Paul uses his phrase, he's talking about the gospel of Christ, what Jesus has done. The very gospel that Paul has expounded on so beautifully from verses 6 to 11 in chapter 2. Christ, him being God, did not count equality with God. That passage that we've been on, Paul is saying that's the word of life. And for church to be healthy, for your community in Philippi, for our church, King's Cross, to be healthy, we must continue to cling on to this truth. So the verb holding fast in our passage, right, verse 16, holding fast, literally means to slow down, to pause, and stop at. Right, to remain in something and not go beyond it. That's what it literally means. In the original text. So what Paul is encouraging you and I to do, and encouraging the church in Philippi to do, is the gospel of Christ must be the core of all that you do, all that we do as a church community. So we have to remember at the time of the letter, another context, we have to remember the context of this letter. At the time of the letter, as these churches were being formed and growing, right? Philippi was a young church like ours. There were some men from James. Paul talks about this in his other letters. There were some men from James who were going around these newly planted churches, telling them they not only needed to believe in Jesus and the gospel, but what? But also observe the Jewish laws. They had to be circumcised. They, had to, they could eat certain things. They cannot eat certain things. They, can't, they can dress in certain things. They cannot dress in certain things. And they said, if you want to be a true follower of God, you got to actually not only believe in the gospel, it's gospel plus the law. Gospel plus this, this sort of knowledge of God that we have. 
In fact, Paul is going to go, Paul's going to talk about this in chapter 3. We're going to come, come up in chapter 3, verse 2. He, he, he has a harsh description of these people. He says, look out for dogs. These are dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Paul does, Paul's not a fan. If you add something to the gospel, you're going to hear something from Paul, right? And then there were others at the time who were going around and saying, there's a special knowledge. I mean, we live in a city of cults. If you walk around looking kind of lost and uh, someone's going to come up to you and say, you, and they, you know, let's do a Bible study together, right? We've, I've had so many of my foreigner friends that have been invited to these Bible studies. Oh, this is great. I'm going to Bible study. And then things get weird. We have special knowledge. And you see chapter 1 and chapter 3 and how these connect together and their secret number of six, 65 plus 7. I mean, it gets wild if you think about these, these things. Like special, same thing, 2,000 years ago. People are going around and saying, you have to have special knowledge plus the gospel. So it was the gospel plus the law, the gospel plus freedom. And many were trying to add or subtract and really take advantage of the opportunity to, to make money, to gain influence, to become famous. So Paul, knowing all the noise that we're hearing around the region, he writes to remind the Christians in Philippi, it's gospel only. It's gospel only. That's it. We are the circumcision. Through the, through the faith in Christ, that's all you need. So friends, just reminding us again, I mean, we've been on this in the book of Philippians. We are not saved by our spiritual disciplines. They're good, they're helpful, but you are not saved because you've read the Bible six times this year. We're not saved by our tithing and giving. You may be generous and you may feel you want to give, but we are not saved. Even if you don't give a dollar to God, you are not disqualified. That sounds almost like, how, how does that work? That's the gospel. We are not saved by any other thing but the gospel itself. And it's the gospel that really transforms us. It's the gospel that really transforms us. So, so, so you know, we have friends. We invite them to church and they go, well, I'm not, I don't know if I could do the church thing. I'm not holy enough. My life is not, I got a lot of things going on, addictions and things like that. Well, well that's the very reason why, why you need the gospel. It's the gospel that transforms us. In my 15 years of pastoral ministry, I've lost a lot of hair in 15 years. One thing I've learned over and over again is that no matter how much you want someone to change, no matter how much you desire people to do things differently, I cannot change people. If you're married, you know this. By year three, you probably know this. You cannot change your spouse. You cannot change your child. You know, you can force them to do stuff. You can change their behavior with, you know, I'm not going to buy you ice cream. That's what I do. But that works for a little bit. And then they figure out, well, you know, that's not going to work. The only thing that will bring a lasting change in a person is the gospel. I've seen this over and over again. So when people are touched by the awe of God that we talked about, the awe of God, the awe and wonder of God, His loving kindness and continue to be touched daily, that's when true transformation begins to take place. 
This is the only thing that truly humbles you and I. It's the only thing that truly renews, truly restores, truly revives. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. So to borrow the words of Pastor Keller, only when people, only when we recognize that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believed, yet at the very same time recognizing we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Only when we get there, we're going to be transforming. We're going to be changing. We're going to want to live life differently. So again, the gospel is not what only saves us, but it is what transforms us. Therefore, we have to hold fast. We do not go beyond the gospel. We do not graduate the gospel. This is it. That's it, guys. This is it. So as a church community, I just want to encourage us. We must continue to remain in the truth of the gospel. We must hold fast onto the truth of the gospel. You know, we can have the most wor- beautiful worship space, and we do. God's given us a beautiful worship space. You know, people that I know are getting married here because this is such a beautiful sanctuary. Like, I, I don't know them, but I find out they got married here because it's such a beautiful sanctuary. God's given us a beautiful worship space. We could have that. You know, we can have the, 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 the most engaging social media presence, million followers. We can have the best coffee, the best location, the most engaging talks. Yet if we're not planted in the truth of the gospel, we're not going to survive. I've seen it over and over again. Churches that come and grow and amazing and a, and a charisma of the leader or whatever they have, it's not going to last. We're not going to continue. A church that is not planted in the truth of gospel is like a beautiful lighthouses or lighthouse with no lights. Have you seen these beautiful lighthouses? They got no lights. There's no use for it. You get rid of it, right? It's like a wonderful car with no engine. No engine. It does not go. It doesn't matter what kind of tin, what kind of wheels you got. Got no engine. It's not going to go. And Jesus said it best. It's like salt without any flavor. Like, my, my, my parents-in-law, they're very healthy because my father-in-law fought stomach cancer. And they give us this salt, right? And it's like super expensive, nice salt. Guess what? It's not salty at all for my American taste. So we don't use it. We throw it away, right? It's, uh, don't tell. Like, oh, hopefully you don't see this. All right. We always get judged by eating really salty food. Um, it's funny. Um, but again, just like that, the gospel has to remain at the heart of our community, right? So a few years ago, you know, Lois and I, we like to order stuff. You know, ordering is amazing. This is like even pre-COVID. Um, there was a kimchi jjigae place. We don't like making kimchi jjigae, kimchi because it smells in the house. Uh, in our neighborhood, that shut down. Uh, do you know why they shut down? One time we ordered from this place, right? We ordered a pot of kimchi jjigae, right? Like, it, it, it's, it's like 20 bucks for a pot of kimchi jjigae. It came with a whole pie, like dessert pie. I think it was like some type of pumpkin pie. We didn't order it. We didn't pay for it. But I think the owner's passion was actually making pies. But, but because maybe he couldn't make it, he decided to open up a kimchi jjigae place. But every time someone orders from this place, they give you a pie. And the pie was pretty good. It's not bad. It's not great. It was not bad. 
But guess what? We never order from them again, and they no longer exist. Why? Because that's a kimchi jjigae place. I never think, oh, I want kimchi jjigae and pie. <laughs> like, seriously, if you're going to do a kimchi jjigae place, you've got to make good kimchi jjigae. You can't make pies and give it to people and hoping that people are going to order from you again. In a similar way, we, church, like we laugh, but we do this as churches, right? We've done this forgetting that we are not in the entertainment business. We forget that we are not in a hospi- hospitality business. We forget that we're not a cafe. People in this city come to church because they need the gospel. Not simply great interactive worship. Not simply a most welcoming community, even though these are good things. Not simply because we serve a great cup of coffee. I love coffee. These are good things. But none of those things can be the center of our community. must be the gospel, not pies. So friends, as often as you can, you know, as we get together for meals as we invite each other to our homes, as we open up scripture to do Bible study, as we just have conversation in the park, let's continue to encourage one another through the gospel. Let's challenge one another to see their struggle, see their life through the lens of the gospel. Let's encourage people. Yeah, you may think you're a failure. You may think you have not done good enough. You may feel like there is no future, but there is Jesus. And what Jesus has done. There is hope because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Second truth. The, the, the next two are shorter, I promise. Second truth. A health, healthy community labors together. Verse 17, Paul says, if, even, even if I am to be poured out as a sacrificial offering for your faith, I rejoice. In verse 18, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. In verse 16, Paul uses several different imageries. I love using images because that sticks to your mind. Paul loves using imageries to describe his own suffering, his own labor. Right? One image is a runner expanding every ounce of his or her energy to complete the race. In verse 18, Paul says, you do the same. You join in rejoicing. You, jo- you join in, in being glad. What Paul is saying is healthy community labors together and labors for each other. Whether that's serving in a ministry of our community or serving someone that's in a need, we need everyone to labor together, right? This call for us to labor, to give away ourselves, to practice hospitality and generosity. You know, we have been hearing about our sister Connie who's fighting cancer for the second time in a year and a half. And I want to thank everyone, because we, we did a sign-up. We encourage you guys to make meals and, and, and provide day, uh, child care. I want to thank you guys for stepping up to cook meals, to watch Ian, Ian's their son, to visit them and pray for them. And, you know, you know I, I, I talked to Changwon, I talked to Connie, and they're so blessed. They're so encouraged in this such a difficult battle, fighting cancer for the second time. You know, we had a couple, Megumi and Jeff, their kids are six, but they're not here today. Megumi and Jeff, uh, back in September, when they heard uh, Connie might have to go back to the hospital, and, they, you know, Connie and Changwon don't have any family members right now that can help them. So Megumi and, and Jeff, who, ha, who, has, who have two 
of most uh, tough kids. We all know this is kind of a community fact. Their kids are adorable, but they're tough. They have two kids of their own decided it's a good idea to bring in another watch Ian for the whole week. But they did it out of joy. Megumi, like when we did a sign up to do, do child care again, Megumi signed up again. Like, like th- that's the type of people like Megumi and Jeff who are willing to sacrifice. They are willing to say, you know, it's hard, but we're going to do it. That, that strengthens, that makes our community healthy. It's not great coffee that makes us healthy. It is that kind of sacrifice, that kind of laboring, willing to watch our, you know, each other's children. Not a day. Not a couple days, so the whole week. Can you believe? A whole week. But that's what it takes for us to really be able to be Jesus' community that he has called us to. And there are others that have helped us grow in health by answering the bell to serve weekly, right? It takes huge sacrifice from people in our community to do what we do every week. Guys, you, some of you guys come at 1.30 or 1.45, 1.50. I'm not judging, right? And you think this just happens. No, this takes a lot of sacrifice. And no one gets paid except myself and some of the pastors. Everybody everybody else is volunteering. They come early every week. They carry these tables. They carry, they take out the banners. They do all of these things, serving in the worship team, serving in in the back room. You know, the production team, they never get any encouragement except when they make mistakes. That's the job of production team. Right, the host team in the back, our Bible study leaders that are serving every week. No one gets paid except some of us on staff. And they love doing it. And it's because of men and women like these that we can do what we, what we do. This doesn't just happen. So I want to thank, I want to thank, I, I sound so intense, but I, I'm coming from a gratitude. I, I want to thank you guys because without your sacrifice and commitment, we can't do what we do. Right? We can't do what we do. So, so I want to really encourage you guys to thank the production team. Say, that was great. You didn't make any mistake. Maybe, maybe that's an encouragement. You, thank you for serving. Hosting, thank you guys for, for sanitizing the whole place so that we can worship safely. Thank you, worship team. Like, tell our worship leaders, man, that song. John, Pastor John, that, that second song, man, man, it's beautiful. The lyrics, amazing. Like seriously, that, that sort of moves our hearts to worship and get closer to God. Do these things. We labor together. And if you are new and you're like, can I get involved? Yes, you can get involved. There are a lot of opportunities. And really, that's how we grow. By serving, not just by coming and sitting, but by getting involved. Third and final habit. So first one is we hold on to the gospel, make the gospel the center. Second thing is we labor together. Third thing is we honor those that serve. Healthy community honors those that serve them. Verse 19 to 30, Paul spends a whole section of chapter 2 honoring and asking the believers in Philippi to honor these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Paul says in verse 29, receive men like Epaphroditus because they're worthy of your joy. They're worthy of your honor. Paul says it's good that you honor those that serve you. Honor people that have gone out of their way to lead and serve. But I also recognize I'm speaking at a time where there is a lot of unhealthy culture that's, that's been going on. I, I, I recognize that churches can be extreme 
in honoring their leaders, which can create a whole another unhealthy culture. Culture of dominance, lack of accountability. I mean, I grew up in a Korean church. Like pastors were, were like Moses and Peter, right? I, I could not even walk in the same street as them. It was like I had to move or run away. Um, and, I, and I've seen it in many communities. You know, there's a temptation to worship those that serve. The leaders, the pastors, they're seen as the only saints of the church, right? They're put on the pedestal and the, the only true voice of God. And it creates room for pride. It creates room for arrogance and just not very good things. I recognize that. And when this type of culture festers long enough, it becomes a church without any accountability. Anything a leader or pastor says goes. And many of us have either experienced or grew up in that kind of community, and have seen the terrible consequences of that kind of culture. So it's clear that we're not to worship our leaders. Paul doesn't say worship Timothy, worship Epaphroditus. But then there is the other extreme, right? Where the communities have no appreciation or respect for those that serve their community. A few years ago, I was invited to speak at a retreat as a guest speaker. It was a, it was a prominent church with you know, wonderful sort of congregation. At least that's what I thought. The people were nice and polite, and they were very attentive as I was preaching. Then during the break, I begin to notice something really strange, right? I noticed that the pastors and the staff were the only ones running around doing anything, right? Staff were the only ones helping to clean up, helping to get the chairs out, right? Uh, helping to set up for the next schedule, while majority of the congregation, they were just hanging out. They were just chilling. Here's a pastor, like, carrying this big table by himself, and there's congregation members just hanging out, talking, laughing. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe they don't see the pastor. Maybe. And this just, I was there for three days. I kept seeing this. Pastor would make announcement. People would be on their phone. I was like, what? I was, like, so upset by the, by the end of it. So at the end of our time, after my final sermon, because, you know, I, now I'm not going to see them anymore. It doesn't matter what I say. Um, I invited the pastor and the staff to the front, and I gently, I, I gently, because you know, they don't know me, I have no credibility with them, I gently reminded them that God has chosen these men and women. It's not because they're sinless, it's not because they are only saints of this church, but it is God's election, it is God's choice to choose men, this man and this woman to lead your community. And I asked them, hey, just honor the authority, honor the call that God has given them. And I'm not saying, I'm not like saying this is our, our church, okay? I'm not like, oh, you know, I have a friend. I'm, that, that's not all I'm doing here, okay? I'm not doing it. I know that's not a culture of our community. Why are you guys laughing? Are you guys like, feeling a little? But we need to continue to guard and make sure we honor those we serve, right? Some of you are, some of you are wonderful bakers. Some of you are wonderful cooks. You are great with kids, Let's do what we can, right? Let's do what we can to foster a culture of honoring those in our community. Encourage our leaders. Encourage our pastors. Encourage our elders and their families. It is hard to lead. It is not easy to lead, right? Don't just message them when you need something. But reach out to them and regularly thank them and check in on them and see how they're doing. Do you need any help? Pastor John and Mina are about to have their third child, right? Let's do our part to support, to love, and bless them to the best of our abilities to welcome this baby. 
I want to see us cook meals, encourage them, send them coupon stuff, love on them in this season. Pastor John has served us so faithfully, and he should feel appreciated and loved by our community in this season and supported. Our intern, Pastor Mary and Mike, we are fundraising to support their living. There is a great opportunity. If you have not logged onto our giving site and supported Pastor Mike and Mary and Desse, do it. Here's a practical way you could serve those that God has called to serve our community. We have wonderful elders. God's given us elders. And you have no idea how wonderful that is. For a church that is four years old to have elders like we do, that's a blessing. And they will be preaching starting next week. Some of the elders will be preaching. Can you imagine having to preach up here? I mean, that's a lot of pressure. Pray for them. Encourage them. See if they need help with anything. And, and continue to, to, to honor them as God has called them to lead this community. You can buy me coffee too, guys, if, if you want. Coffee's nice. I, I always love coffee. But in all serious, seriousness, if you have been blessed by the work of our leaders in this community, let's do our part of honoring and encouraging. Not worship, but honoring and encouraging because that's going to make us healthy. That's scripture. I'm not just, I felt un, underappreciated. I'm just bringing this. No, I'm not. This is scripture. This is what Paul says. Honor the leaders. But let me wrap up our time together by placing these very practical practices in its proper place. You see, we can only labor for others. We can only do what Megumi and Jeff did. We can only rejoice in suffering. We can only honor those that serve us without worshiping them if we continue to return to the gospel to, be, to, to transform us, right? I mean... How, Paul asks these questions in this passage. How can we look beyond our own interest? How can we consider others more significant than ourselves? We are selfish people. I'm selfish. How can we be of same mind, the same love, and one accord when we are so diverse and we come from so many different backgrounds? How can we do that? The answer is in our passage. This is the gospel. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, Jesus, God himself, died the most humiliating death, a criminal's death for you. He did that for me. He did that for you. And that's why Paul in verse 13 says, it is God, not me, Paul, not you, not others, but God who works both in your will and in your work so that he could fulfill his good pleasure. And that's Philippians chapter 2. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for um, our church. Lord, uh, we, we are so grateful that even in the middle of pandemic that we can worship together. We're thankful for those that are serving our community week in, week out, sacrificing their Sunday morning, sacrificing their, their time with family, sacrificing financially to serve this community. 
Lord, you have willed us. You have birthed us in the, in the heart of this city. And, and, and at a time where we need to be healthier, God. Churches need to be healthier and we need to grow in health. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you inspire us? Would you inspire us to come along each other, to labor for one another, to honor one another, to point them to the truth of the gospel again? And we all need to be reminded, God. We thank you for this encouragement. We thank you uh, for your wonderful grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go into time of communion. Um, this is what we do every week, and this is, this is the main event. This is our kimchi jjigae of our, our service. This is the main thing. Um, it's not the sermon, it's not singing, it's the communion because everything we do, the way we labor, the way we honor, the way we humble ourselves starts here when we recognize that Jesus lived a life that we did not live and he died the death that we deserve. So as friends, this is his world. This is his table, his invitation. Be strengthened. Let's take his body together.